Well, welcome to week one of a brand new collection, six part collection of talks called Best Practices. There will be, I'm just telling you right now, there will be today some golden nugget, pearls of wisdom, pieces of advice that you're gonna wanna keep, that you're gonna want to take home and save for later. So if you are like a note taker, like you got pen and paper, you're one of those, I am that kind, like I would much rather write it out than type it out. Pull out your paper, pull out your pen. If you're in the Bible app, there's an opportunity there for you to take notes and save it and reference back to that later in the week. Even pull out your phone and snap a picture of the screen. Like if I say something good, it's not me. Like this, it's a big book. I got it from there. It's not me. If you, if I hear, if you say so, if I hear some, if I say something good, there it is. If you hear me say something good, snap a picture of it on the screen um, because we want you guys over the next few weeks to learn better practices, not just better practices, best practices in making decisions in your life. So feel free to jot down your, your thoughts, save them for later because I promise not all of it is gonna be for everyone, but there is absolutely something for every single person in the house. So I wanna start today's discussion by acknowledging something that we all have in common. And let me just give you a warning real quick. In about five minutes, give or take, you're gonna have the thought, is she gonna talk about Jesus? Like I came to church today to hear about Jesus. Is she actually gonna get there? I am, so just stick with me, hold tight. There's like a little TED Talk situation at the beginning and then we're gonna get to Jesus. Something we all have in common. We've all lived long enough to reap the benefits of good decisions and good habits that we have made and developed over our life, right? We've all reaped the benefits of those good choices that we've made, but we've also all lived long enough to suffer the consequences of the bad choices and the bad habits that we have made and developed in our lives. And looking back, we can point to those moments in our lives. We can recall them almost as perfectly as we saw it in the moment where we experience those times of, I'm glad that I did. Glad that we did. Or maybe wish that we had. Or even sometimes it's the moment of glad that we didn't or wish that we hadn't. Every single one of us has a glad that I did or wish that I hadn't story that we can tell. And they all stem from, all trace back to the everyday practices in our lives. As we were growing up and having these experiences, somewhere along the way, we started to realize that life is connected. The decisions we make today impact what's going to happen tomorrow. I think we can all agree with that. Today, we're gonna look at that connectedness of life. And then over the next few weeks, we're gonna build on that connectedness by fleshing out how operating within best practices not only matters for you, not only matters for me, but it matters for the people around us, the people closest to us, the people we care about and love the most, our best practices matter to them. Today's decision impacts your tomorrow, but they also impact the tomorrows of the people you love and care about the most. Knowing that we are rarely happier than our relationships are healthy, 
the decisions you make now, the decisions I make now, the decisions we make in this season of life have the potential to impact our relationships later. Your decisions aren't just about you. In fact, in every season of life, we make decisions that impact and shape the lives of the people around us in the next season. So for the next few weeks, we're going to give you some unoriginal, I have to be very honest about it, unoriginal, timeless advice. I don't claim to have come up with this. Like if you hear something good, just know it's not me. I, it's, it's come from leaders or mentors that I look up to, books that I've studied, things that I've learned the hard way. Maybe you aren't as stubborn as I am, but I've learned a lot of really great lessons in the hardest of ways. So this is just a collection of timeless, really good advice that I guarantee will make your life better. So today's message is not being proclaimed from an ivory tower by any means, but rather something I need to hear as well. And my hope is that together we will discover the best practices to apply when making decisions that count. So at your office, there's probably a document that you were given on your first day at the company or at the beginning of a new project that lays out the best practices for being part of that organization that you're with. Within your workplace, it's not necessarily a list of what's most moral or ethically imperative. It's not like a list of absolute rules, but rather advice for being most effective. How can you be most effective as part of this team? These are the best practices. We're all mature enough to know what's right and what's wrong. In fact, your greatest regret is probably tied to a rule that you broke, right? If you think back to that moment that, man, oh, if only you could do that one over, it's probably related to a broken rule. So the best practices we're going to talk about for the next few weeks will ensure that you don't break the rules that have the potential to break you. It's just practical advice. And the advice I'm gonna give you is a lot like the advice you would give to someone else. Because all of us love giving our opinion, right? Like, oh, please ask me what I think about this. I can't wait to tell you. I love telling people, well, from my perspective, I think you should, or you should always. We love sharing our opinion. But it's something about when that advice is turned back around us, on us, that we're like, uh, that must be for somebody else. Let me go and tell them that. They need to hear that. So you're going to be tempted today to hear this message and go, ooh, let me tell you who needs to hear this. I better text somebody real quick and tell them to look this up on YouTube because they need to hear it. You need to hear it too. I need to hear it too. We all need to hear this. The pearls of advice we all give, they're not necessarily rules but rather advice sits in between the rules. So we're not talking today in the realm of right and wrong or ethical and unethical. We're not talking about moral or immoral or illegal versus legal. The advice sits in the category of wisdom, wisdom. And while we're talking about best practices to keep us all on the same page, we will describe wisdom as experiences informed by the knowledge that life is connected. Today shapes tomorrow, one thing leads to another. 
So here's an example of what we're gonna talk about. Here's some just good advice. Don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. That's just good advice. Best practice, don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment. In other words, if you have financial goals, you have a dream of where you wanna be five years, 10 years, 50 years down the road, you got a plan for retirement, you got a plan for savings, don't do something stupid now that will rob you of where you're gonna be in 10 years. If you're in school and you have academic goals, don't diminish the things in front of you right now that will help you get to where you ultimately wanna be. What are your marriage goals? What are your relationship goals, your career goals? What are your future hopes and plans? Here's the point that we wanna press in on over the next few weeks. There's nothing immoral about ignoring this. There's nothing unethical about not living this way. If you read this or write it down or snap a picture of it and then you completely forget it tomorrow, like you're not going to jail. It's not gonna like send you straight to hell and there's no hope for you. But to ignore it is just a bad idea. Like that's just not great. It's not the best way to ignore the best practices, to ignore this advice is just unwise. There's a better way, wisdom. What does wisdom do for us? Well, it gives us two gifts. It really does help us, support us in two specific capacities. The first thing that wisdom does is it serves as a guide. Think about it like this. The decisions you make are a steering wheel on the car of your life headed on this journey. And if you look back, you're steering, you're steering, and if you look back and think about how you got to where you are you steered your way there based on the decisions that you made, for good or for bad. And you steered it to where you are. Sure, there are people who have influence on our lives, but for the most part, the decisions you made landed you where you are today. So good decisions get us to where we want to go, and bad decisions get us to a place we never imagined we'd be. The role of wisdom in that steering is to fill the gap when we don't know exactly what to do. When we're driving along, steering the car, and we get to a point where we don't know what the right answer is, and we ask ourselves, what is the wise thing to do? When we invite wisdom into the decision-making process, wisdom oftentimes brings instant or ultimate clarity to decision-making. So when you're making a decision, you should ask, what is the wise thing to do at three different levels? In light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, and in light of my future hopes and dreams. Considering what I've been through previously, knowing what I know now about the current situation I'm in, and knowing where I want to be in the future, what is the wise thing to do? Wisdom fills in that gap. That question often brings instant clarity to the decision-making process because wisdom serves as a guide in making 
decisions. And the second thing wisdom does is it establishes guardrails. And we all understand what guardrails do. They keep us away from danger. Guardrails are there to keep you from driving off the cliff. Guardrails are there to keep you a safe distance back from danger so that you don't end up in a disaster. So we all need moral, financial, relational guardrails. Those guardrails protect our mental, emotional, and physical safety. I learned very quickly as a parent how much our children even need guardrails. If you've ever parented a toddler, they need guardrails. If you've ever parented a preschooler, they need guardrails. And now I'm in elementary school and they still need guardrails. And I'm looking ahead to middle school. Lord, help us. And still, they need guardrails. Our responsibility as parents is to help protect our children's emotional, physical, and mental health. Guardrails do that for us. But why does utilizing wisdom as a best practice matter so much for our lives? Greatest regrets are often preceded by a series of unwise decisions. Not immoral, not unethical, not illegal. Your greatest regret is most likely preceded by a series of simply unwise decisions. It's one dumb choice after another, and then you find yourself in a world of regret. If we could hop back in a DeLorean and go back to that moment when we felt the most regret and look in on that situation, we would all agree, yup, that moment was the culmination of a series of unwise, not immoral, not unethical, unwise decisions. And for just a second, I need to meddle right here. Like I can't just skip past this and not say this. I got to press down on this thought a little bit. If you are currently making a series of unwise relational decisions, you are headed towards relational regret. If you are currently making a series of unwise financial decisions that everybody is telling you, this is a bad idea. The people closest to you are looking in and going, you should really change courses because this is not a good idea. You are headed towards financial regret. If you are currently making a series of unwise, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual decisions, you are headed towards regret. While unwise decisions have virtually no immediate consequence, the ultimate regret and the circumstances surrounding that regret may follow you for the rest of your life. So you needed somebody to tell you, you needed to hear today, you're headed for disaster. The role of wisdom is to keep you back a safe distance from regret. Inviting wisdom into the decision-making process protects us from that unnecessary regret. So in that way, Wisdom highlights the danger zone to prevent us from landing in the disaster zone. Wisdom will help you feel your way around the danger in every area of life to keep you out of disaster. In my experience, wisdom is not touted as like this 
really intriguing or like super captivating topic. Like no one has ever come to Bill or I and been like, you know what, I'd love for us to talk about more wisdom. Like that'd be really fun. No one has ever said that to us. So why? Why is that the case? Because culture will bait you. Come on, just a little closer. To the threshold of self-destruction and then condemn you once you step through the door. That's what culture does. And there's nobody behind this. I think it's easy for us to be like, they just want me to fail. Like there is not a room full of people with like a giant screen in front of them and a giant desk. And they're like, whose life can we ruin today? <laughs> like that's not reality. Whoever they are, they are not rooting for you to fail. You know what they are doing? They're trying to make money. They're doing the same thing that all the rest of us are doing. They're trying to be successful. We're all just trying to get ahead. And that's not bad, but there are waves and there are threads throughout our culture that bait us in, that bait our kids in. Come on, just a little closer, a little closer to the threshold of destruction. And then the moment you step through the door, culture changes the conversation and changes the direction. And then you look like a fool. That's just the nature of life. Wisdom has a power to allow us access to everything that we need. Wisdom empowers us to avoid the disaster zone but it, because it keeps us back from the danger zone. Okay, so are you to the point now where you're like, when is she gonna talk about Jesus? Hannah, that sounds great. Super cool TED talk, loved it. Are we good now? Can we go eat lunch? The reason we are talking about this in church the reason we are talking about it today, the reason we'll be honing in on this for the next several weeks is because of this. The invitation of Jesus from what we read in scripture and what we all experience in our lives today was and is to follow. Not believe, follow. And Jesus's invitation to follow leads us into a lifestyle that is characterized by wisdom. Now, if you're not a religious person, I'm gonna give you an out for just a second. So if you're of a different faith tradition, if someone coerced you to be here today, like you thought you were going to brunch and now you're here, or if somebody made you watch this online and you thought you were gonna watch a funny cat video and now here I am, that's okay. If you had a really bad church experience that makes you really unsure about organized religion, maybe your experience is so bad that if we all heard it, we'd be like, yup, that's bad. That should not have happened. If you fit into one of those lanes, everything in this collection will still be practical. It will still be helpful. It will still provide takeaways for you or somebody in your life just today alone saying don't trade what you want most for what you want in the moment like that's worth the price of admission like congratulations you already got your money's worth if you are not a Christ follower application of any of this stuff while it is all best practices it's all good advice it's 100% optional you don't have to do any of it you don't have to 
hear it and take it and apply it to your life. There's going to be a lot of helpful stuff shared over the next few weeks, and you're welcome to listen, take notes, pick and choose what you use later on. But if you are a Christ follower, if you are a Christian, if there is something in you that compels you to surrender to the lordship of Jesus, then the way of wisdom is essential. You don't have a choice. The way of wisdom is necessary and vital, and it's actually baked into the teaching of Jesus. We're going to take a look at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, which is like the most famous, most popular, most talked about sermon that Jesus preached in all of Scripture. And there's a version in Matthew, and there's a version in Luke, and they don't necessarily line up, and that becomes like a point of contention for some. But what scholars believe, now keep in mind, Jesus' earthly ministry was about three years. And what we read in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the account of his life here on earth and the ministry that he had here, all of those things that we read in the Gospels could be accomplished in about three weeks. So, like, what was he doing the rest of the time? Like, if it was, like, three years worth of stuff and we're only reading three weeks worth, like, what, what was he doing? He was preaching everywhere he went. So scholars believe that the Sermon on the Mount is actually a compilation of, like, his best work. Like, he picked out the primo sermons, mushed them all together, and gave those on top of a mountain. And so he's over here preaching to a small group, and he's over here preaching to a small group because he was fully God and fully man. And so this wasn't just, like, stuff that he was saying. These were his kingdom ethics. So when we read the Sermon on the Mount, don't get distracted by like, okay, well, that's not what it says in Luke, and that's not what it says in Matthew. This is what Jesus is saying. This is how you live. This is how you respond. This is how you react. This is how you serve. This is how you love. This is how you reflect your heavenly Father. He preached it over and over and over. So at the end of this epic Sermon on the Mount that basically describes and defines the message and ministry of Jesus, we find the connection between following Jesus and the way of wisdom. The way of wisdom is the anchor for all of the advice we're going to talk about today and over the next few weeks. To close out all he had to say about living a life that reflects the love of God, Jesus used this parable that we find in Matthew chapter 7. Anyone who listens to my teaching. So he's like, everything I just said, all of that good stuff that I put together for you, if you listen to it and you follow it, you are wise. And I want you to be wise in every area of your life, to be shaped by wisdom. And then he points to the connectedness of life like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Back then, there were no automated tools. Like, I think that goes without saying. So the wisest thing to do in ancient times was to find a piece of land that had some sort of rock to act as a foundation. So when the weather comes, when the rain comes, when the floods rise, the house will not be shaken. So when Jesus said this, 
everyone hearing it would have immediately understood what he was saying. This would require a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort. There were absolutely ways to build a house that were more cheap, that were quicker, that were easier to accomplish. But Jesus continued in verse 25, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Why? Not because the owner did the moral thing. Not because the owner did the most ethical thing. Not even necessarily like the right thing. It's because the builder did the wise thing. Jesus says, this is what I'm inviting you to. This is a life I want you to live, and I will help you if you listen and follow. And the second half of his parable was this. But anyone who does the opposite, anyone who hears my teaching, anyone who hears all of those things I just said and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When Jesus said this in New Testament times to describe someone as a fool simply meant they were living life as if it wasn't connected, like today isn't connected tomorrow. So the fool is the person who trades what they want most for what they crave in the moment. Jesus is inviting all of us away from that kind of thinking. And here's the implication that we find in the text. The teaching of Jesus is for our benefit, not our detriment. Jesus taught for our benefit. When Jesus taught, he was inviting people into a better life. He wasn't trying to take something from them. He wasn't trying to put all of these rules and all these restrictions so that you feel like you've like lost all of the freedom. Instead, he wanted something for them, for you, for us, because he came for us. The most famous scripture in the Bible sums it up perfectly. If you've been in church your entire life, or today is your first time, or you've like, where you're watching this online and you've never been in church. I think we all know what John 3, 16 says. For God so loved that he, what did he do? He gave the most prized possession he had, the most valuable thing he could give, he gave so that you would have the best. Following Jesus will make your life better and make you better at life. Following Jesus will make you a better parent, a better friend, a better spouse, a better employee, a better employer. It will make you a better everything. Not immediately, but ultimately, because that's the nature of wisdom. Wisdom is sowing now to reap later. Wisdom is giving up now so I can have later. Wisdom is doing the hard thing now so that maybe life won't be so hard in the future. Wisdom is investing now so that there's something to show for it 
later. Investing in your marriage, investing in your kids, investing in your church, investing financially. This is the life that God has called us into and Jesus modeled for us. He's asked us to live in the way of wisdom or to shorten it up. He put it so simply, walk wisely. Every step you take, is this the wise choice? What is the wise choice? Is this the right step? Is this the wise step? That's the subtle part of the parable, that Jesus wants something for us. But here's the actual point of the parable. The big idea, the big takeaway that Jesus wanted us to get out of all of that compiled together, this is what I want you to walk away with. Knowing and doing are two completely different experiences with two completely different outcomes. And we've made it so easy to use one to diminish the other. How often do we dismiss the need to do because we know? Let's illustrate it this way. Yesterday, Bill and I took our kiddos to the park, like I'm sure the rest of you did. It was a beautiful day in Houston, and so we all were outside, and we took the kids to a park where we could sit at a table, the two of us, and watch where our kids were playing a little bit further away. So we wanted to be close enough where, like, if I needed to karate chop somebody, I absolutely could, but far enough away where they had a little bit of independence. So before we, like, unleash them on the world, I'm going to do the normal thing, right? The rule rundown that the moms do. Before you run off, stay together. Don't stay where we can see you. Uh, be kind. Don't get in anyone's bubble. You know, like, I'm going to go down the list. And before I can even get the words out, I'm saying, before you run off, I go before, and one of my kids says, I know, I know, stay where you can see us and don't fight. And I was like, that's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, that's pretty good. And so my initial thought was like, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. And then my second thought was, if you know, why so often do you not do that? Because I kid you not, 30 seconds later, we've unleashed them on the world, and I hear that scream, you know, the scream that only comes from my brother's torturing me type scream, and I'm like, we just, you just, I know, I knowed me, and yet here you are not doing the thing you know to do. The assumption is that knowing is enough. Since I know, I'll do, but that's rarely true. When we hear something that needs to be said, a good piece of advice, so often our response is, I know, I know. This is how James puts it. James, the brother of Jesus, who had to learn about best practices in the hardest of ways. In James chapter 1, he says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. 
It's a very simple if-then statement. If you hear it and you do it, God will take care of the rest. The reason God became flesh and dwelt among us was to show us what to do. Not because he wanted something from us, because he wanted something for us. Applied wisdom is what makes a difference. Doing is what makes a difference. So this is my question. This is the question that we want to introduce this collection with. It's where we're going to launch from. What do you know you need to do, but you just aren't doing it? I know, I know, but you're not doing. Until you do it, you are living as if life is disconnected. You know better than that. You advise better than that. You've encouraged best practices to the contrary. The urgency of the gospel and the urgency of Jesus that we find in scripture is this. He came to the earth to live among us because he wants you to apply. He wants you to do because he loves you and he knows that the best practices are in the doing. You have to apply them. Knowing without doing doesn't make any difference. It just makes you a fool. If you know what to do and you refuse to do it, these aren't my words. These are Jesus's. He says, you're like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, knowing that down the road, this may be a disaster full of regret. So what do you need to stop doing that you haven't stopped yet? What do you need to start doing that you haven't started yet? What's the relationship that you need to end? What's the relationship that you need to reconcile? What do you know you need to do, but you just haven't done it? God who loves you, the Savior who died for you says, come on, just do it. You know what you need to do. Jesus' invitation wasn't, learn from me. Believe how I believe. His invitation was, follow me. And the promise is, if you will, he will help you build a life that can endure. So here's the advice I want to leave you with. The best practice that I want to put into play today, whatever it is that you're avoiding, do it today. Don't wait. You know what it is. Do it today. And that's where we'll pick up next week. Jesus, we love you. And we are overwhelmed by your goodness, overwhelmed by your grace. Thank you for your word that challenges us and changes us. You didn't just leave us to figure it out on our own, but instead, you came to this earth as an example and left us with your word as a guide. So God, would you give us wisdom in every situation? Would you shine light on the areas of our life where we need to draw closer to you? Give us wisdom, creativity, passion, boldness, and whatever our next step is with you. We love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.